Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's features are Once Bitten and The Vampire's Kiss. Yes, before either one was famous, Nicolas Cage and Jim Carrey getting bitten. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. I don't know, Doug, are you, are you, are you back from your, your angry tirade from last week? Pro- we're probably going to be screaming at each other later. Oh, okay. <laughs> It's good to know. At least we know it's coming. We tend to fight every week, so I don't know why. <laughs> I would I would state for the record that my frustration was predominantly due to the Buffy discussion, and not and I was sort of holding it in throughout the entire episode. <laughs> and I I think I'm objectively correct to be upset about the Buffy issue. So me, you can you can continue to trump it up all you want and ignore the facts of the situation. I know, I know, I know what's correct and what's incorrect. We can we can talk about it some more later. I was gonna say we'll get into it later because we got we got some feedback that maybe tries to show Noah the error of his ways. Yeah, he's wrong too, but we'll get to that. Good lord! Anybody do anything fun since last week? Uh, I don't think so. It was Halloween since last week, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Did anybody do any anything for Halloween? I had one trick-or-treater. Nice. I didn't even bother with trick-or-treaters. We went out for anniversary dinner instead. Because it was, like, snowing here. It was pouring down rain here, and there was, like, a windstorm that was, like, knocking over fences. So I told Mm. my kid we could just go to, like, two houses. (laughs) He wasn't coming home. We were out there for an hour and a half in just the pouring rain. (laughs) Just, Just getting drenched. Just... He, he was just—he didn't care. He was like running through puddles, it was splashing up all over his gosh, making him a shit. Did uh, did they do any local like indoor trick or treating? Well, our local mall used to do trick or treating indoors, and I checked mm-hmm. their website that day because I could just look outside and see the rain coming towards, and <laughs> guesstimating it was going to ruin our evening. And I'm like. But nothing on their website indicated that they were doing it this year, so I didn't really want to take a kid to a mall and be like, mm. hopefully there's trick-or-treating here. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Dad, why is everybody depressed in this building? Because <laughs> we're at a mall, son. That's where, that's what it is now. Because it's not the 80s anymore. Do you see that big empty space over there that used to be filled with teenagers? <laughs> hmm. You see all those homeless people huddled in here trying to stay warm? They used to work in the stores that used to be in here. 
Our mall is actually thriving. It's kind of a weird little thing. I guess it's still surrounded by enough suburbanites that just walk over to it. Mm. They just announced that our Sears is closing next year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I live in Canada. All of our Sears closed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that is the one like dark spot in our mall is that there is just where the Sears used to be. <laughs> <laughs> but they were good enough to put up like a fake wall separating it from the rest of the mall. So if you're inside, you can't tell that there's anything there. <laughs> yeah, I think some of the hospitals around here did some like indoor trick or treating events or something. I don't know. I ain't got kids, so I don't really care a whole lot. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was pretty wet and cold and miserable. And then I swear to God, I came in, like, went up to my bedroom, changed out of my wet, dripping wet clothes into something dry and put on a sweater. And, like, as I was walking down the stairs, I heard the doorbell ring, and when I went to give those... It had stopped raining. It just, it just waited for no. me to get inside. It's like, motherfucker. So. Hmm. All right. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not really. Does so does does Lando get like super excited about all the candy, or is yeah. it more just the tr- trucking around in uh, the costume? It's both. Like he he loves the act of going door to door and getting the candy, but I steal a bunch of his candy and give away a bunch of his candy, and it doesn't seem to bug him that much. Mm. We call that a dad tax here in the states. Yeah. Well, I just take a bunch of it into work, too, because otherwise it's like a two-year supply by the time we go around the whole <laughs> So, did, did anybody go see Terminator? That came out since somebody last spoke. Uh, no. Now, just to be clear, I wasn't asking you guys specifically. I'm like, did anybody go see it? Because from what I can tell based <laughs> on the box office, it's literally like every actor brought their families to it. <laughs> And they're still trying to figure out which one of them didn't. Because I'll, I'll tell you what, it's fucked up because it even looks all right. But, man, every Terminator for the last, you know, two decades has sucked. So they just they they keep doing it wrong. They keep rebooting it. You can't just reboot every two years and expect me to show up. So, I mean, I will probably see this one eventually, but I don't yeah. see why I should pay the money for I didn't see the last one in theaters, so they're not going to trick me with this one either. Like, oh, but James Cameron said he's going to produce it, which means he was like, yeah, cool, pay me a check. And then he left, and we made the movie. Well, I actually heard that he, uh, I don't know how true it is, I heard that he was interfering with Tim Miller, which is not good, because I'd rather go see a Tim Miller movie than a James Cameron movie in 2019, so... It's true. Fucking James, James Cameron. Cameron really, like, he's one of those guys where it's like, like, Aliens is great. I absolutely love the first Terminator movie. It's like, I think it's just an, a classic. Mm. But when's the last time he put out something that I thought was really good? Well, it's got to be Avatar, think, right? I don't think Avatar is a particularly <laughs> good movie. I, I saw Avatar in theaters and I was very happy with the technology. I thought the technology looked fantastic. But then when it came out on video, people were like, you going to get it? And I'm like, no, why would I want to watch that movie if I'm not enjoying it just for the technology? That's all it is. <laughs> and now they're going to make 12 sequels to that. I, I don't know. Like, really, I, I, I can't think of 
what James Cameron has done that I've really liked. Because even a movie like Titanic, I don't think is a good movie. I don't think there's good character development and storytelling in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's two hours of nonsense followed by a really good scene of uh, special effects. Yeah, I've never actually even seen Avatar. I had zero interest when it came out. I'm like, I saw Dances with Wolves already. I I know what it's like, so I'll need to see it again. Yeah. But have you seen Dances with Wolves in cartoon format? (laughs) And the answer is probably, because apparently that was that Fern Gully movie, which Mm, I have not seen. It's the exact same as Avatar as well. I did not see it either, but Amanda has told me. Yeah, it's pretty much the same story. It's like, oh, okay. Well, it's very, it's a very basic story. Yeah, I don't know. Is that what this week's podcast topic is? We're just going to badmouth James Cameron? Or? Fuck James Cameron and his piece of shit movies. I, I don't know. I think the last really, really good movie he made was True Lies. Yeah. I think that was in statement. the 90s. That's not good. No. I mean, I, I, I guess argue. God damn it. Fuck off. Jesus. <laughs> He just punched his James cat. Cameron just enter your room. <laughs> every, every, James, fucking James Cameron. Everybody just heard Noah punch his cat. I'm just saying. You're all witnesses. I didn't punch the cat. He yelled at it and it knocked over more stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I was going to say Titanic came out after True Lies. And so arguably you could say that that was the last good movie he made. But I fucking hate Titanic. Mm-hmm. So I don't count it. He an episode of the TV show Dark Angel that he, <laughs> he fucking did. What the fuck happened between Titanic and that? Do you think uh, True Lies no, is I, good I, because James Cameron made it or because Bill Paxton's in it? Because I would vote on Bill Paxton every time. I think it, I think that True Lies is one of those uh, uh, perfect storms of you just couldn't have had all the right people in the right places better than that. Because I, I think if you change any actors in that movie, it's not a good movie. Yeah, yeah True Lies is it really walks a thin line between being complete garbage and being a very good movie, and it just manages to trip it being a very good movie. That's a long time since he made a movie that I even like. I'm just looking at IMDb and as a director and James Cameron hasn't put out a movie that I give a shit about in a long time that's what I'm saying true lies yeah <laughs> yeah producer producer credits he's been involved in some stuff that I like but that's about oh, yeah. it Turok the first flight the fuck is that that's something based on Avatar right yeah it's like is it one of Cirque du Soleil shows that's based on an Avatar thing or something yes Mm. Oh, actually, I should be in the interest of fairness. I should say I did go see that. So, yeah, I'm gonna go on record. I think James Cameron sucks. I'm looking at his list right now. There's like four yeah, things like, that I actually enjoy, and then the rest of it's all garbage. His his run from Piranha Two to True Lies was pretty good. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then it just abruptly ends. Especially Martini Ranch, colon Reach. I don't know what that is. It says video short. I don't know what that is. That sounds like... I think that's oftentimes that's like a oh. music video. Music, music video. Yeah, music video for Bill Paxson's band, Martini Ranch. I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen that. <laughs> it's a music video that 
it's got Bill Paxton and Lance Hendrickson in it, so it's got to be fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. Catherine Bigelow's in it. <laughs> Bud Court is in it. Shot in the Dark, that was around 1987 when that came out. <laughs> uh, 88. I'll assume film the name 87, that way I get to be correct. <laughs> Yeah, so we're taking a stand. James Cameron sucks. You heard it here first. Uh, you know what movies really suck? Because they're vampire movies. The movies ah. for this week. Well, vampires suck blood, so the mo- oh, I get it. Yeah. See what we did there? You get it? Because <laughs> vampires suck blood, and, and Nicolas Cage sucks the air out of a fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, two movies that are vampire comedies? Vampire adjacent? Uh, so, I guess, yeah, we'll start off with uh, Jim Carrey in Once Bitten. Don't even remember what year this is from. Was it 85? Yeah. 85, yeah. Yeah, 85. So, Jim Carrey plays a high school student who looks, you know, like he's 25. Uh, and he's frustrated because his, gr- his girlfriend yeah, won't have sex with can him. I just, can I just point out it's plot relevant once that they look older than their age? <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice touch. Sure. Uh, he's frustrated because his girlfriend won't sleep with him. So he decides him and his horny 80s uh, uh, teen movie friends decide to go out to... Uh, can I just say this is like one of the most 80s movies that is ever 80s like ever. Oh yeah. Can we oh, yeah. can we can we talk about the uh uh <laughs> the relationship stuff is uh <laughs> grotesquely 80s and now it it is not aged well. No. Oh. So, we we'll discuss the many ways in which this movie has not aged well. Yeah. So they go to one of those weird 80s clubs where everybody's got a phone at their table and you can just randomly call up other people in the club. Um Little does Jim Carrey know that he's, uh, he was sort of seduced by a vampire lady played by Lauren Hutton who needs to drink the blood of a virgin three times before Halloween, uh, to give herself, keep her, keep her immortality going with her being young or whatever. Um... And, of course, because it's the 80s, it's super hard to find virgins anymore. So she locks locks down to him, and then he sort of becomes, after she bites him, becomes vampire-like, like he's transitioning. Um, and that causes problems with his friends and his girlfriend, and hilarity ensues. So what do we think about Once Bitten? Man, this movie probably used to be really funny. <laughs> I remember yes. thinking it was funny in this rewatch. I was, I was, it was almost like you're cringing through the whole thing. Like, oh no, 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 no. It I still have a nostalgic soft spot for it. Yeah, this was a first time watch for me, so I didn't have any memory mm. of it coming in whatsoever. And I can definitely see how this would have been a lot funnier in 1985 than it is now <laughs> uh, there were some serious problems with the movie I won't say I hated it though I thought 
it has it had a few really good funny jokes in it and it had like a mostly it just had like this kind of innocent charm to it that weird 80s innocence where everything is horrible but for somehow it just plays off as innocent (laughs) but a lot of it like like the the parts of it that didn't age well i mean do we even want to discuss the gay humor in it (laughs) specifically the shower the shower scene that's been called out ever since it's been made I mean, oh, really? everything, everything fucking about that is so bad. <laughs> I mean, down to the, not just, and not the, just them yelling the pejoratives and stuff, and, you know, everybody yeah. being like, oh, you know, abandon the shower, there's gay people in here. <laughs> everybody but, goes running, because these guys <laughs> might be gay. It's really weird. Right, but I think the worst part is afterwards when they're talking in the restaurant, and the guy's like talking like, "Oh no, I looked at a guy's dick, and now it has turned me gay. I've caught the gay, you know." Yeah, yeah. And it's like, "What in the fuck?" To be fair, he doesn't say, "I've caught the gay." I wrote down his exact line, <laughs> which is, "We're homeros. We're rump rangers, man." <laughs> and I'm like, "Holy shit!" Uh, so, so in the trivia. It says in the revised 1989 edition of The Celluloid Closet, author uh, Vito Russo lambasted screenwriter David Hines for the inclusion of a stereotypical gay butler and a homophobic school shower scene. Ironically, and this is the weirdest part, ironically, the shower scene was based on a personal experience of co-writer Jeffrey Haas, and the gay butler was conceived by Jonathan Roberts, who was hired by the director to rewrite Haas's and Heinz script. So here's the thing: the the whole gay butler thing. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad, other no. than the fact that they keep I... making the in the closet jokes. Besides no. that, his character's handled fairly well. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I I'm just gonna go on the record though. I really like the in the closet joke. The constant, like every time you find, every time that they're like, "Where is that butler?" and he's there, he's always in the closet, and they're like, "Come out of the closet!" Every time, I'm like, "That's just funny." I, I know that, like, like if it was in a different movie that didn't have the really offensive gay stuff in it, I would find that very funny. Yeah, and I like the fact that he has his own, like, theme song, which is like that tango beat that plays every time he's by himself doing something. Yeah. At least he responds with, I've been out since, like, 1865 or whatever. Yeah, like, I I felt that character was not as bad as the high school Mm. guys, the way they talked about gay people. Yeah. But, I mean, some of the stuff with him was just just the portrayal of a gay character the way it's done is inappropriate mm-hmm. but the actual yeah. jokes were at least they were jokes and they were acknowledging that they were kind of like they're like look we're making a gay joke but we're also having him be a main character in, in movies at a time when having a gay character was not a common thing right mm. uh, now I suppose we should talk about the fact that uh, is the message of this movie that girls are supposed to put out to their boyfriend like because i'm pretty sure that's it over and over again because at the beginning it's like he goes drives to another city with the intention of cheating on her and Mm -hmm. pretty much everyone in this movie including her except the fact that it's her fault that he does yeah Mm -hmm. which is fucking weird (laughs) and i and i know it's the 80s and back then things were a little different but i mean even back then that was tone deaf right (laughs) 
It, it seems like it probably was. Like, I don't think girls were just like, oh my god, I feel so guilty for my boyfriend cheating on me because I didn't blow him enough or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't think that that was the predominant attitude amongst females in the 80s. I don't know. I was pretty young, so <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but it seems like that's just offbeat. And it's, yeah, it's really bad. Like, the way it's just, it's portrayed as, and then, like, she ends up basically having to sleep with him just so that he won't become a vampire and it's like i don't i don't i I don't i don't necessarily think the filmmakers were trying to put this message in the movie i just don't i think it was just like you said tone deaf is probably the right term for it but wow it's pretty bad (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm sure somebody was like no it'll be funny she didn't want to sleep with him the whole movie and then at the end she has to sleep with him to save him right I mean, the beginning's kind of funny with it, where, you know, he's like, come on, let's have sex. And she's like, no, I want it to be special. And he's like, ah, God damn it, I need some air. And he gets out, and literally everyone is in their car fucking all arrested. <laughs> it's like an orchestra fucking surrounding him. <laughs> like, that, that's pretty fucking funny. Yeah. But it's literally after- pretty fucking funny. Right, right. But everything after that that was humor that was based around them having or not having sex was just <laughs> gross. Like, yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah, it becomes gross after he, like you said, leaves to go to Hollywood to try to pick up another woman that will sleep with him. And he even thinks like, well, maybe if I find some other woman and sleep with her, it will just solve solve my problem in my relationship <laughs> right well and then there's the whole thing where he whenever he comes back and she you know he tells her that he cheated on her he's like i was really drunk i don't even remember it it's like <laughs> and everybody's like, oh that's okay he, he got drunk and he doesn't remember it that makes it all okay <laughs> can i just point out though this is all part of a bigger problem with the movie which is that it's based on this the whole premise of the movie is this idea that somehow you know back in the you know the 50s or or previous times everyone was so moral and upstanding but now that it's the 80s everything has gone to hell and it's like (laughs) this is why we have an okay boomer meme going around the internet right now it's because of this (laughs) attitude from this people who think they're so much fucking better than everybody that came after them it's like kids in the 80s were not having that much more sex than kids in every generation previous to them <laughs> you know i would i would say kids in the 80s weren't having that much more sex than kids in the 60s but i think kids in the 80s were having a lot more sex than kids in the 30s <laughs> i don't know if that's true uh that's back whenever they used to do the weird shit like sewing dudes into the sheets to keep them from fucking like I'm not I'm not saying that it wasn't that people didn't want to fuck and that there weren't people sneaking off to fuck I'm just saying a consorted effort was made to keep you from using your dick if at all possible <laughs> I I don't know I don't have the stats in front of me but I bet you young people have been finding ways to sneak off and have sex throughout eternity ever since humanity has been on two feet well plus a 15 year old girl didn't have to sneak off to have sex back then because she was probably married well yeah that was that's another issue altogether <laughs> where it's like right. my my grandma just two generations ago she got married at 15 mm, my grandma got married at 17 
I do not know how old either of my grandmothers were on the dates of their weddings. No. You're from Canada. It was probably some normal age. Fuck you, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck your society and its sanity. Sorry. Yeah, so I was going to say, so besides all of that, <laughs> which unfortunately, you know, that's like the bulk of the plot. So, But besides that, it's funny because, I mean, most of the, the humor in the movie is just young Jim Carrey being young Jim Carrey, who is mm. charismatic and his physicality so fucking entertaining but did you feel like did you feel like he was held back way too much in this movie because there's a couple of moments there's the moment in the when they're just in that weird totally 80s clothing store that is the most 80s clothing store in the history of the 80s (laughs) um where he's just being allowed to be jim carrey in the background and he's like trying on women's clothes and acting all goofy (laughs) and stuff and you're like that's funny and then there's also the moment where he like he scares off those kids because he's gradually becoming a vampire and they're just one ice cream from his ice cream truck which we didn't mention that he drives around in an ice cream truck for this entire movie yeah it's his everyday vehicle yeah but he uh so but the way when he turns and looks at those kids and he's his face is just transformed because he's jim carrey and he can do that with his face mm-hmm. it's like that's really good but then they cut the scene off and i'm like why don't we get a scene of him chasing kids around looking like that because you could just let him <laughs> go for 10 awesome. minutes it'd be hilarious or like the fucking the weird like renfield like scene where he's like dissecting a frog in class and then the teacher comes in and she's like what are you doing he's like just getting this frog dissected and she's like you're not in this class why would you do that and he starts like trying to put the frog back together and shit i'm like just just tell jim carrey like you do it once based on the script and then go let him fucking play with that and you probably get some hilarious shit didn't it feel like they were just kind of holding him back too much though and just not letting him do his thing like well i think uh, i think our modern take on it is yes but maybe back then since he was an unknown commodity they just didn't know what to do with him at this time he was a stand-up right and he hadn't done in living color yet correct i think that's right but that's a that's if you'd had a, like a really good director, he would have recognized that on set, and this oh, could sure. have been a breakout role for Jim Carrey. But that that's what it would have taken, right? It needed it, it needed somebody to be just on set day of going. Look, we hired you because you look the part. You're kind of a natural charismatic guy. But look what you can do. Let's expand mm-hmm. that. Let's run with that. Because every now and again, when the movie goes slapsticky and lets itself be that, it's genuine laugh out loud moments. When the the two friends when they go to the laundromat to hit on the women and the one guy goes off to talk to the girl and then when he comes back the other guy's just been stuffed in a dryer <laughs> that's like fucking hilarious like do more stuff like that just do more like really big laugh out loud jokes like that because they're they're funny and of course he gets out of the dryer and all the clothes he's actually wearing have shrunk <laughs> i thought that was such a funny subtle thing just like that shirt and the funny thing is like that shirt being up high like that kind of looks like something somebody would wear in the 80s <laughs> so it took me a minute to process I'm like oh I get it yeah. I, th- I think my other biggest complaint about the movie is the fucking dance scene and I get yeah. that it's an 80s movie and that that was just a thing that they fucking did in every movie that had a high school in it yeah dance battle yeah but I just and this is this is a weird complaint it it like 
uh, cheats the movie of realism, and I say that completely knowing that this is a slapstick comedy movie about fucking vampires. <laughs> but when you manage to put in a scene that it's like, oh, this really takes me out of the flow, <laughs> you know what I mean? What in the fuck? Especially when uh, it's... sort of the message of it is, is the virgin girls like, look, I could be slutty too, and basically takes all of her clothes off. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It's all part of that uh, that overall theme. Yeah. <laughs> The only way to save your man from the evil older woman is to get sluttier. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in defense of the movie, that would work on an 18-year-old. Yeah. My My big problem with the dance scene is because it's the 80s, I don't know if that's supposed to be like funny bad dancing or if that's good dancing. I know it took place in the 80s. If you showed me that dancing, I'd be like, oh, what 80s movie is this from? But I would not know whether it was good dancing or bad dancing. <laughs> I think once, so once again, Jim Carrey's so good with his uh, his body movements and stuff that mm. even if it's not good dancing, he looks good doing it somehow, which <laughs> pisses me off because I am the opposite. There's that weird moment where he picks up his own leg and plays it like a guitar. And I'm like, the human body is not meant to contort that way. What the hell is happening? Uh, we, we didn't know we were all seeing Genius back in 1985. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, two years later, we would see Fire Marshal Bill. Exactly. Lives. Uh, you brought up the I'm not wearing a costume joke which for some reason I found absolutely fucking hilarious this time when I watched it. Right, and I think it gets funnier every fucking time they do it, which oh. it doesn't usually work. It's yeah. not It's not funny at all the first time. It's like groan-inducing, like, what the fuck, and then it just keeps happening. And it's <laughs> Like, this is like the precursor to something like Family Guy that knows how to just take a scene that's mildly entertaining and stretch it out so long that you're laughing whether you want to or not. <laughs> That's what they do with this joke. It just keeps saying it over and over yeah. again. And when he finally wins the costume contest, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you almost want to go, he's not wearing a costume at the TV. <laughs> uh, uh, so good. Um, I don't know. Do we have anything about more of, like, his vampire shit? Like... His mom's getting all worried about him, and his dad comes into yeah. his room to talk to him, and he's just, yeah, like, he's sleeping just... in a trunk. <laughs> <laughs> so That was a great moment. I'm assuming this movie had to be rated R due to the the, the brief amounts of nudity and... Uh, PG-13, says on IMDb. Really? Even mm-hmm. with all those slurs and stuff? That's fucking wild. Those, those slurs did not have an impact on the rating in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what I was thinking is, why the fuck does none of the blood look like blood? Who who was doing that? It looks terrible. There is shitty dollar store fake blood that looks better than that fake blood. Mm. Yeah. See? It, and if it's PG thirteen, that maybe that makes more sense because maybe they were doing that to to keep make sure the rating stayed PG thirteen. But oh, I didn't even notice Dean Stockwell played the valet attendant. Oh really? <laughs> it says valet attendant uncredited. All right, I guess it's a cameo. Sure. Uh, let's see. Would that be makeup apart department? The blood sound department. Oh, special effects. John Egit. What else has he done? 
Uh, special effects on Dreamscape. Bitch slap. Still working today. So. So we did not end his career despite no one not liking the blood. Yeah. Like I said, it's not the most egregious thing I've ever seen, but it looks like slightly thickened ocean spray cranberry juice. It's it's a really bright red, and it's completely clear. Yeah, I. it didn't look good, but it didn't look... I just chalked it up to the 80s, and I didn't really think mm. too much about it. He worked on Alligator 2, The Mutation. Uh, I think that's going on the list, by the way. I've got it saved on YouTube so to watch. So. Nine and a Half Ninjas. Uh, Are we going to just see. do Alligator and Alligator 2? We'll see. He did. And he's done a shit ton of stuff, but these are some of the ones that are jumping out at me. Um, he did Night of the Comet, Dreamscape. Like I said, uh, he did. He did something called Kiss My Grits. <laughs> I'm, sure the special effects, I'm sure the special effects in Kiss My Grits are integral to the plot. <laughs> I think you've made your point. He's not a particularly well-known guy, but he is a uh, special effects guy. Maniac Cop 2. There you oh, go. Shit. There we go. Uh, Drop Dead Fred. All right. Uh, is this the one we did? Sure is. Surviving the game. He did special effects on that. Bullshit. Did the, didn't they just put people in a forest and that was it? Yeah. A motorcycle oh. exploded at one point. I'm, I'm pretty sure his career peaked, though, at Lawnmower Man 2 beyond cyberspace. Ooh. How did he get another job? I don't know. He got a shit ton of them. He's, he's got credits all the way up to, like, I, last week. I thought they took everyone that worked on Lawnmower Man 2 out behind a shed and just put them down. No, Matt Frewer's in it. I mean, come on. He's a, he's a national treasure. Yeah, but I don't. I don't believe it's him after that movie. I think they killed the original one. <laughs> they cloned him. <laughs> yeah, he's just some kind of look-alike replacement. Oh, good lord! So I think we're all in agreement. Jim Carrey rocks in this movie. Yeah, it's, it, I, it, it's dated. It does does not I, uh, age well. But I, I think the, the the big problem with the movie is some reason is a director or an editor or somebody that just tonally didn't quite hit it right didn't emphasize the funny parts enough mm-hmm. and like we said the, the, the dated stuff it's hard to know exactly how bad those gay jokes were in 1985 they seem worse than other things I've seen from that era um, but the to get back to the, the directing and editing like it didn't feel like it felt almost like they had filmed a bunch of scenes and didn't necessarily know what order to put them in because hmm. one of the things I noticed is like it doesn't seem like Jim Carrey's character continually gets worse and more vampire like throughout the movie which you would think would be the natural progression but it seems like yeah. sometimes he's like almost a vampire and then he goes back to being normal for a bit and things change a little more it's I, I found it a bit strange hmm. oh yeah, that's that, something else I did like all the stuff with his parents with his parents worried about him and thinking that he's he's sick or depressed or something <laughs> <laughs> and he just keeps doing all this weird shit and they're like what the fuck I like when the when he gets out of the box the first time and the dad's like what are you doing just taking a nap and he's like he finally he says to him just get a good night's sleep you'll probably feel better 
Yeah, sleep, sleep in the bed. Like, he has to tell us. <laughs> it, it reminded me a little bit of, like, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, like, the interactions between uh, Peter and Uncle Ben when he's going through all the weird shit transforming. I'm like, it's like the slapstick comedy version of that. <laughs> when he accidentally drinks that blood by mistake and doesn't notice, you're just like, well, that's... I mean, I know everyone knew that was coming the minute somebody put blood in a glass just to store it for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that was gross. Yeah, I, I highly recommend you uh, watch it the next time it's on Comet Television because it's on there a lot. <laughs> do they edit out all the uh, gay slurs? You know what? I think they do. I Good. think they might edit out most of the uh, the oh. shower scene. See that's that's interesting because that pretty much makes this a silent film. So <laughs> different take altogether. Uh, yeah, I'd say I'd recommend it too. Just just be aware it's very eighties in both uh, both its its uh, visual sense and also some of its content of how uh, guys just talk to each other in the eighties. I, I think it's it's worse than that though it's because it's and I assume it's an, an intentional attempt to be funny and over the top mm. but it's not like like you watch other 80s movies yes the conversations seem inappropriate by today's standards but this one's like really bad <laughs> you know I, I don't think that that's how guys talk to each other in the 80s so I think it's I think it's worse than that <laughs> I do have the, the part of this conversation that's blowing my mind the most is how you guys just think, yeah, in the 80s there was bars that you could go to and there was just be a phone on the table and you could call the other tables. Was this a real thing? Oh, I, weird. Those weird uh, singles hookup bars with the themes were a thing. I don't mm-hmm. know about that particular one, but it was a thing. Because yeah. my knowledge of bars in the 80s is heavily limited to the Regal Beagles, so <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> Like I, I had never seen anything like this before, and I kept thinking, like, is this a joke invented for the movie, or is this a thing that exists? Because it shouldn't exist. I don't like this idea at all. <laughs> I would feel very uncomfortable going to that. That's one step away from a singles cruise. I don't want to be oh. there. <laughs> oh, wait, and since you brought it up, there's also a weird uh, trans joke thrown in there. Yeah. 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 That one, I, I will just give it to. It was the eighties. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the eighties, we we thought it was hilarious if you're trying to hit on a woman and you find out it's a guy, and then you get very uncomfortable. The next slightly manly, manly looking woman, you're allowed to just grab her by the crotch to find out for sure before <laughs> you talk to her. <sighs> all right. Good yeah. Times. All right. Moving on. I. It, I'm mostly bothered by the fact that you guys are just like, yeah, those bars existed. I'm like, all right. Well, even if they didn't like completely exist, I, I believe they did. But I mean, they weren't like, you know, it wasn't like spread all across the country. I, I, just in Hollywood. Well, I'm getting the sense they're in the LA area, and that does seem like yeah. something that would pop up in the LA area. Uh, 85 New York. I don't know. I feel like 85 New York. They would have just gone to it. Dingy theater and got stabbed halfway through the movie, and the yeah. film would have ended there completely. Um, but at the very least, it was portrayed on other movies and television that that uh, this kind of shit was going on all the time. All right. 
thank God I wasn't in the dating scene in 1985. Right? I don't believe that would work for me. No, that would have been awkward. Hmm. All right, well, moving on. Noah, since you seemed very excited about this movie, why don't you tell us about Vampire's Kiss? Vampire's Kiss. Uh, Vampire's Kiss, starring Nick Cage, playing Nick Cage, uh, <laughs> is about a literary agent who has some uh, mental issues, some slight mental issues at the beginning of the film. Uh, <laughs> and basically he has an encounter with a woman he believes to be a, a vampire and it's his slow descent into madness uh, along with a side plot of him tormenting one of his employees and I don't I want to hear what you guys think about this because I think this this rewatch this doesn't happen very often I think it's completely changed the way I view this movie <laughs> Okay, because I think I picked up on something that I don't think I've ever picked up on before, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is a good movie. It's not a terrible movie." Hmm. <laughs> Strong words. It, it really um, is, yeah. and I will I will attempt to make that argument. But <laughs> you right. guys, go ahead and tell me what you guys think first. Well, this is the first time watch for me, so. Uh... I don't know. There's parts of it that, like, I'm just watching this movie going, wow. Like, at the very least, you can't say that when a director lets Nicolas Cage do whatever, he doesn't make some bold, bold choices. Uh, he doesn't. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> I don't know if that's a controversial statement. I don't know if he hits it out of the park or, or <laughs> what. <laughs> it's. <laughs> It's it's uh it's quite a performance and at the very least I enjoyed watching this performance. I don't know if the rest of the movie is all all that great. I will say with regards to the performance uh one, the one bold decision so he speaks with sort of a British accent throughout mm -hmm. uh, the movie and I think I had actually posted on Instagram right when the movie started I don't know if I can put up with 2 hours of this accent. Mhm. Mm and luckily his decision to have the accent in some scenes and just not have it in other scenes really made it so you didn't if you found the accent annoying just wait a little while it'll go away then it'll come back then it'll go away then it'll come back well and and there's a valid reason for it yeah it's the craziest thing like yeah, that's I, I, I read about this right before i watched it so i was actually able to sort of uh zero in on why the accent was there and why it was missing Oh, this sounds like somebody's making excuses for Nick Cage, but you guys tell me what the reason is, because I don't... Keeping in mind that I had to watch this movie in two sittings, I had to, I had to insert an intermission <laughs> that the filmmakers did not envision. <laughs> do you want to go, Noah? Sure, sure. So so the idea is that it's, it's got to do with this, um, this character's grandiose sense of self-importance. The whole idea is that that is a fake accent his character is affecting a fake accent to make himself try to okay. sound fancier quote fingers. And that's why it's, it slips out every time he gets agitated and he's not paying attention. He loses the accent because he's not intentionally mm -hmm. doing it anymore. And some people, he usually only does it in front of people he wants to impress. 
So there's some people he doesn't care about, so he doesn't use the axe. Okay, that actually seems like it holds up. Yeah. And right. it, uh, it, it does explain the the fact that he sort of puts on a British accent when the dialogue is clearly written for an American. Mm-hmm. Um, which is consistent with what you guys are saying. Um, now, if he had done a less annoying accent, maybe it would actually be, I would consider it good. Because that is what, what you're saying actually makes sense in the context of the film, mm-hmm. and it's an impressive. It is a bold choice for an actor to make and for a director to allow him to do on set. Uh, so yeah, yeah, they let him do a lot on set. Apparently, the whole eating a cockroach thing was his idea. Just his idea. Andy did it, just... Andy did it three times. Yes, right. and apparently got shit from. Uh... The ethical treatment of animals, or whatever. Oh, really? Like they Even like for a cockroach. Yeah, they like gave him shit about it, and he's like, he he pretty much said the only way I'll, I'll even take your argument is if you've never picked up a can of Raid in your own home before. And that was pretty much the end of the argument. Yeah, I think you're allowed to do what you want to a cockroach. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he did it three times is. Like, I almost vomited when I watched it. I was like, whoa, that's so gross. Well, what else did you glean from this, Doug? Uh, I will say, when Nick Cage goes fucking crazy at the end, yes. um, he he goes fucking crazy at the end. It's <laughs> that whole last, I don't know, maybe a half an hour of the movie where he's just running around like a madman <laughs> is... It's fucking crazy Nick Cage turned up to 11. And it's some pretty good stuff. Like when he's... And they do it pretty well. Like there's some scenes where he's yelling. Like at this point... Like I don't know if this is even a spoiler. Because I figured it out about 18 seconds into the movie. Yeah. But he's not not really a vampire, right? I I feel like there is... Well... A mystery about that. We'll we'll talk about that a little bit when it gets back to me. Okay. (laughs) He's, I don't feel that he's really a vampire. I feel like he's just a crazy person. And as displayed by the fact that at one point he goes to him with his psychiatrist, and we've got clips of him yelling at a building outside, <laughs> all disheveled, and then we see the clips of, in his own head, he thinks he's inside a building having a conversation with a person. And I think some of that stuff is handled quite well. Uh, I think the the big flaw in this film is that somebody decided to make it into a comedy film or tried to because it's not funny in my opinion very like very little that happens is actually funny with the exception of Nick Cage just freaking out <laughs> I think if you had taken this concept and you had toned Nick Cage down to the dramatic Nick Cage that we know he can be and you had kept the suspense about whether he was a vampire or not throughout the film you would get something close to Martin which is a fantastic movie and you could have had a a different take on that which would have it could have been really really good I think and instead you get this movie that's just kind of crazy and I I don't know I I feel like it was a mistake to go that comedy route with it you almost could use the same script and just tonally shift it into a dramatic film and you know because some of the stuff, like in in a comedy movie, I don't think there should really be rape scenes. I don't, you know what I mean. Whereas if this were like a dark, more dramatic film, then that could happen. I, I don't know. 
it feels like something like that could have a, a direct impact and it would be more acceptable to use that as just a plot device because hmm. here it feels like they they have that rape scene just so that they can get to the climax of the movie I, and I feel like it's I, I don't know I think, I think you're wrong on that one too alright go ahead alright so two two arguments number one the the movie's not actually a comedy the this is a really dark movie that has a very comical character in it uh two he is a vampire he's just not a nosferatu blood drinking vampire and he's a vampire from the very beginning of the movie he's he's this soul sucking uh just evil prick, right? Because mm. his his relationships with women is all about adulation of him. Like the the girl he picks up at the beginning that he kind of starts a relationship with, he loses interest in her the second it stops being about him. And his he, he, torturing. He's a prick. I don't consider being a prick to be being a vampire. Well, but he is. A, he's a, he's an emotional vampire, is what I'm saying. Like like he's a oh. vampire in the worst way. Without all the blood stuff, okay. So well, the, the, the same thing. When with I his... said he's not a vampire, I meant he's not a mythical being that sucks blood and all right, that right. But, but what I'm saying is, metaphorically, he is a vampire. He's just not literally a vampire. Does okay. that make sense? It's, it's sure. Kind of... No, I, I see yeah. everything. There's, there's actually yeah. a little bit of like thought put into this. I think. No, I, like, I, and I and I agree that if, like, I agree with what you're saying is that his behavior was terrible and he, he when he sort of snaps he sort of persona I don't know how to say it personifies it's the wrong word we, it's like those, those worst parts of his behavior become the right right he's just he's just actualizing what, yeah. what he is anyway yeah he's mm. he's actually you know he's actually raping people instead of just being very mean to her and torturing her emotionally and he's actually killing people instead of just you know mistreating them and stuff I, I agree with that Right, and I was going to say, and that's the other thing. So that's the other part of his 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 quote fingers vampirism is his abuse of that character that he's basically just feeding off of of her being lesser than him and his ability to torture her, if that makes sense. And is uh, is the movie progresses? There's this whole thing of if you pay attention, uh, it's almost kind of ahead of its time because it's basically about a. a a fucking uptight white guy with money fucking destroying the life of a Hispanic employee and everybody fucking watches it happen and no one does anything. Yeah, that's Every, that, that yeah. commentary is obviously there where it's like there's actually mm-hmm. the scene where she has complained about him like chasing her around the office and she, the other the other all like white male board members are all like laughing about it in the boardroom like can you believe she thought we were going to stop you from doing that and it's yeah that's that commentary is pretty like it's it's out it's out front yeah and I just think I don't know I after taking all that into account and re-watching it and thinking about it I just think I think it's a really good movie because the idea is that yeah we're watching him turn into a uh, uh, Nosferatu or whatever the fuck he thinks he's turning into but he's a vampire from the very fucking beginning and he's the worst kind of fucking vampire from the very beginning you know what I mean he's already sucking the life out of people and fucking destroying people's lives and you know what I mean but he, he, him losing his mind is just a fucking 
it's almost he feeds into his own bullshit. And that's what destroys him in the end. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, I agreed with a lot of what you said, except for the it's a really good movie part. That's that's what we're gonna that's where we're gonna disagree. It's like everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, it's all in there and if it was done better, I would I really liked this movie. And a lot of that is on Nick Cage or and on the director for letting Nick Cage do what he does because this performance is a it's a comedy performance. And right. you I don't think you can do all the stuff all the stuff you're talking about, all the, the metaphors of vampirism and all that is all great. It doesn't work in a slapstick movie and that's what this sort of becomes as Nick Cage. Nick Cage is out on stage. I don't know, it's, but, but I feel the, like... It's the I opposite like... problem I had with the other movie, where they should have let Jim Carrey go full Jim Carrey, and they should have let him just amp up the slapstick. Here, they should have pulled back Nick Cage. And that's, I think that's what's the most frustrating thing about watching this movie to me, is I know what Nick Cage can do in a dramatic movie. If you watch you know, Leaving Las Vegas, and you see what he can do when he comes to playing a really genuinely dark character, take that, put it into this movie and watch him go down that same rabbit hole that he does, it could be fantastic. Right. I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I think I think it boils down to this weird matter of perspective because I think I've always been on you guys' side of the fence on that, that I've always viewed this as it's, it's a funny movie to watch because Nick Cage goes way fucking Nick Cage mm-hmm. and this whole movie seems like it's so fucking out of control and, and you're like, what were they thinking? But upon this rewatch which is probably the the 15th or 16th time i've seen this movie uh and and seeing it through the lens of everything is absolutely intentional it kind of i don't know it changed a lot for me because i was like oh my god like i really did watch a movie where a woman got raped and i thought it was funny you know what i mean and not not the rape scene but the movie in general i should say i should mm. re restatement uh, but I mean, even even immediately after it, because he does the whole, <laughs> which is one of the craziest things I've ever seen on fucking film. But like like I said, once you see it as intentional, I think it's genius. I think it's all just this weird, almost magician's trick of of misdirection and making you. I, I think the only problem is I think they did it so well and that the subtext is so deep that you that you're not necessarily paying close enough attention to it. No, see, I, cause again, I picked up on all of, a lot of the subtext of what you're saying, even if I, even if not everything. Now that you're saying it, I can totally see it. I just I, I don't think they did it so well. I think they did it so poorly that it doesn't work. That's it's a complete opposite take of what you're saying, I guess. Um, I just I, I think by letting Nick Cage play the character this way, they ruined a potentially great movie. I'd, I'd love to see a different version of this movie done, even even if it was still Nick Cage, but just somebody reeling him in and preventing him from trying to turn this into a comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about where I'm at too. Because like, and 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 a lot of it is too. Like it's. Like he goes into that that place where he ends up buying like vampire fangs and stuff, and you're like, that's when you know he's a completely fucking crazy person now because now he's telling people he's a vampire, he's going out to actively be a vampire, but he still has enough brain power to know he has to buy the teeth, and you're like, that's an interesting thing to kind of explore for a second, but it ends up being that he goes in and he can't afford the good teeth, so he has to buy the cheap ones, and you're like. What? 
And then he buys cheap, like, plastic, those fake plastic vampire teeth that we all probably had in the 80s that you could get with gum back then. But somehow he manages to bite a girl with those, which doesn't really make any sense. If this well, it looks it looks like they actually fall out of his mouth whenever he does that. And he's just using his teeth because he's got to put them back in whenever he quits biting her. Uh, that's not how I took it, but whatever. I mean, either way, it's like the, the joke of I can't get the good teeth because like, so I got to buy the crappy ones is obviously an intention to add humor to a scene that, again, could have been very interesting. I, I don't know. Like, like I say, I wish this was a another take on the Martin story where what happens if a person believes they're a vampire and they're doing these things that are terrible, but they're not actually. They're just a fucking crazy person. I think that's an interesting idea to, to explore. I wish they'd explored it better. And it, like everything you're saying about how like, yeah, he's like this metaphorical vampire and he becomes an actual vampire because he snaps or whatever. Yeah, that's all in- interesting stuff. I just don't, again, not in a comedy movie. And right. You can't, you can't, I, I find it very difficult to not think of this as a comedy movie when he is giving such a comedy performance. Like I said, I don't, I don't think you're, I don't think you're that far off, but I just, I kind of, I think I see this movie in a different, a new light. I feel enlightened about it or something. But, uh, yeah, I was going to say, I like the fact that, uh, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's that he snaps. I think that he's so egotistical that he's the type of person that, that just believes his, his own shit all the time. And so from the scene where he sees the bat, he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I would totally be a vampire. So he just makes up a story that he got bit by a vampire and buys into his own shit. I, I don't know. Isn't that snapping? I don't know. I, I, well, I, don't, I, don't, think, I don't think there's a triggering, like, there isn't a triggering event where, like, he gets stressed out and loses his mind. I think it's just, he was he was always a crazy fuck. This is just a new way of being a crazy fuck. Yeah. And, well, and there, I think that's another flaw in the film, is that there ought to be some triggering event, something that sends him down this path. Because he pretty much sees, like, a obviously fake bat flying around his apartment, and he's like, oh, maybe I should become an obviously fake vampire because there's an obviously fake bat flying around. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Like, I, again, I think that there should have been something that caused him to snap, whatever it, it was. And, I, again, there it could have been really... To me, if I were... If I were, you know, telling people how to make this movie, I would say, well, I would have kept that mystery alive of is he actually becoming a vampire or is he not until towards the end of the movie. And I don't think it's much of a mystery when you watch this movie. Again, vampire in the literal sense. Yeah, but I don't I I personally don't think you're ever supposed to believe that he actually is that there's any possibility that he's really turning into a a true vampire. You know what I mean? I I took it as you were supposed to. So again, maybe that's because there's a lot of scenes where it's like it would theoretically be him alone, and yet he's got you know he's got the scar on his neck all the time, and he's got the scenes with the vampire coming back to feed on him and stuff. Where it's like yeah, some of those were interesting. Again, some of them were even neatly done, where it was like he'd be get, he'd be in his office and the vampire'd be there feeding on him, and he'd be like telling other people not to come in and stuff. 
It'd be interesting to almost like at the end, if the reveal came, you could do like a flashback and he's alone in the office, like doing whatever to his own neck. You know, right. there's just like a that. ton of I, I feel like there's for every time they show something supernatural, they immediately do an establishing thing that it's not like that, so that the, the first if, if I see this more than once. Which Yeah. So so the first scene, he gets bit on the neck. Right. And then the next morning it shows him shaving. You see his neck. No bite. He cuts himself shaving. He puts on the bandaid. To be fair, it's not no bite. He has shaving cream over it. So we wouldn't see it anyway. Right, right, right. But then in the office, whenever he pulls the Band-Aid off for her to bite him, I don't know if you notice, but the bite marks are sideways. <laughs> They're like in a way that you couldn't possibly bite anybody. Does that make sense? They're lined up along the uh, I mean, the wrong, the wrong midian. <laughs> you would have to bite him from the side like you were bobbing for apples on someone's neck. Okay, but you be careful because Brian's going to read off all of the special effects artists credits now <laughs> well and once again I don't think that was an accident I think that's supposed to be a a thing that if you're paying attention it's obvious that he's you know what I mean I mean I, I guess I wasn't paying attention to little details like that because I never like again I thought it was obvious that he was not transforming anyway so yeah. hmm. I think my favorite my favorite scene of the whole thing is the the scene where he goes into the bar to finally off somebody <laughs> And his his imitation of uh, Count Orloff from Nosferatu is fucking spot the fuck on. <laughs> and I know, and I know. Once again, everybody's like, "Oh, it's just quirky, weird Nick Cage stuff," and it's like, but it's not. It's him nailing an impression of that guy, and just nail even his hand position and stuff is so fucking perfect. I agree with that. I thought it was a nice little tribute. Mm-hmm. But then again, we're supposed to be treating this as like this is this stuff is all taking place in the real world, and he's just like murders a girl in a bar, throws up on somebody's table. He's covered in blood, and all they do is toss him out, and that nobody connects the fact that this guy is covered in blood. Like maybe we should find out where it came from or anything like that. All that was kind of like again, this is where we were ramping it up into full on slapstick territory, in my opinion. But I know it's. I think it, I think that might be one of those things, though, that really happens in real life where whenever you see something like that, you have a tendency to want to get away from it instead of dealing with it. Like whenever he's walking down the street and he's like disheveled and covered in blood and dragging a sharpened piece of wood and screaming oh! <laughs> at the top of his lungs. If you really honestly think about it, how many people would do anything about that versus grabbing their children and being like, okay, over here, let's go in the store. Come on. Well, here's a good, uh, here's a good, here's a good way to look at it. I guess when he tears that piece of wood off of that pallet and then that couple comes walking up the street and he's like, I'm a vampire. Kill me. And they're just like, what the fuck? And they walk around him and try to get away from him. Apparently they were using like a telephoto lens to shoot that. So they were like actually pretty far away. And that was a real couple just walking down the street who didn't even know they were filming a movie. Right. And he just came up to them and was just like, I'm a vampire, kill me. And they're like, yeah, fuck this. Get the fuck out. Yeah, I was. I, I think my biggest, my biggest complaint is at the end of the movie when the brother kills him. Mm-hmm. Do you know how strong you'd have to be 
to push a big dull ass piece of wood through somebody's fucking rib cage. <laughs> and he, I mean, it goes in deep. Well, it's once you get it started, it's easier, I think. I, I suppose. If it had been a, a sharper piece of wood, that would have been more believable, maybe. But again, if this is a comedy film, which most like, if you go to any streaming service to watch this, it'll say horror, comma comedy. I think it's uh, you don't really ask those questions in a comedy film. Uh-huh. Like I said, I don't know. I like it. it's worth it's worth a watch. Even if even if you don't think this is a good movie, this movie's worth a watch just to watch fucking Nick Cage fucking do whatever the fuck he's doing in this movie. I mean, every every scene where he's being fucking weird is so good. The the, the scene where he calls, uh, what's her face, the girl he tortures all the time into his office, and he's talking to her, and he starts talking to her normal, and he's slowly getting more assholey and more aggressive, and his head is slowly tilting back, and his eyes are slowly getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. That's like fucking just wild because he he manages to do it in such a way that you like almost don't realize that that facial change is happening until the point where he he just looks like he's fucking lost his mind completely. I don't, I don't know if I ever noticed any subtlety the way you're describing it. Yes, his face does go, but I don't know. I don't. I, I didn't notice the the subtlety the way you're describing it. I noticed it as he was just ramping up the crazy throat scenes. All right. Oh, hey, David Hyde Pierce was in this. Really? He was a guy sitting at the bar, and I'm just like, I remember <sighs> what I remember watching it and being like, oh shit, that's David Hyde Pierce. That's awesome. But th- I thought he was going to be a character, but then like literally, it's just like sort of the side of his face so apparently that was just like some random background work he he, he did before anybody knew who he was yeah. it's funny how they bother to mention people like that being in movies <laughs> just what about this guy was in it like he was well not really but you know <laughs> alright well anything else vampires kiss yeah, I think that's it yeah, I think I think it comes down to you should watch this if you, you know, want to see Nick Cage for an hour and 40 <laughs> being crazy, I, I don't recommend it because I don't want to watch that. Uh, it's like I said, I found watching Nick Cage be uh, completely let loose and just do whatever the fuck he wants uh, interesting. I don't know if the rest of the movie around him was as interesting as I thought it might be. Yeah. I I would hope that they would um, remake this and give it a darker tone and a more a more serious take on the material. Oh, and still hire Nick Cage to play a Nick Cage role? He could still do it if he's willing to do it anymore. I don't know. Now he just Nick Cages for a living. So <laughs> flip. Do, do the old uh, flippity-floppity and have him play the uh, abused employee and have it be a lady that's going crazy. Mm. I don't know if I'd see Nick Cage as the abused employee. I'd, uh... I think he would still out-crazy the crazy person and it would work. <laughs> or go take take out the uh, the darker bits 
and just make this a full-on comedy and have Andy Sandberg playing Nick Cage playing <laughs> the vampire. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Hey guys, this is Eric in Ann Arbor. Sorry it's been a while. Life has been a little hectic. But I felt compelled to uh, send you some feedback after the last episode. After uh, listening to Brian and Noah... Uh, talk about how they didn't like the Babadook. Uh, you fellows have put me in a horrible position of having to defend Doug. Um, the way this is supposed to work is that Doug says something that makes me mad, and I send feedback and tell him why he's wrong. Uh, but now I gotta like tell you why you're wrong, and that's just all sorts of weird. Uh, the Babadook is an excellent movie. Um, yeah, uh, tr- give it another try. It's it's uh, metaphor and all sorts of that good stuff. Uh, try putting a phone down and paying a little bit closer attention. Maybe you'll you'll get it. One of you said he stopped watching because the kid was awful. Yeah, the kid being awful is kind of an uh, integral part of the story. Um, so I'd give it another try. Uh, it's a pretty good movie. Uh, that director, Jennifer Kent, has come out with a new movie called The Nightingale, which I would also recommend. Uh, I was trying to help Doug track it down. Uh, I found it available on Vudu and Hulu, uh, but apparently the letter U is illegal in Canada because Doug doesn't have either of those services available to him, which is unfortunate, but I'd recommend The Nightingale as well. As far as Noah's stance on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> just it's amazing that somebody could be as wrong as he is about that. Uh, I, well, okay, let's start here. There's current a current podcast... Uh, going on called Buffering the Vampire Slayer that goes through the series episode at a time uh, that was put on Time Magazine's top 50 podcast list of the year last year. Um, So people are still talking about it. And in addition to that, there have actually been college classes taught about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you go to Wikipedia, uh, you can find an entry there on Buffy Studies uh, that will tell you all about how it's been used to study uh, gender studies, pop culture studies, media studies, family studies, aesthetics, uh, and it even has a list of additional works. So if I haven't convinced you, you can go to Amazon right now and buy a copy of a book called Why Buffy Matters and read up on it so you will understand better. So uh, now I have properly defended Doug and I feel dirty. Um, So Doug, say something asinine so I can yell at you. Uh, Great show, guys. Keep up the good work. So as you just heard, Eric sent us a voicemail. Apparently has to complain about... Me and Noah not liking the Babadook, and then for Noah not liking Buffy. Yeah, I'm not rewatching Babadook. That's not happening. <laughs> a lot of what, a lot of what he's saying is what I was going to say last week there about how there's a a very interesting metaphor going on about mental illness and dealing with annoying children. Um, but you yeah. guys aren't interested, aren't interested in it, so we'll just move on. No, I mean I got that. I just I. It just didn't do anything for me. It just it ain't it, it ain't my flavor of horror. Some people like chocolate ice cream. 
I don't like chocolate ice cream. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I, I, I do think it's hilarious that an American accuses a Canadian of banning the letter U. I mean, we're not the ones who randomly took it out of words. Like, just we just didn't just didn't take the language and start pulling the U's out all sorts of fucking words randomly. Like, oh, we don't need it here. We don't need it here. <laughs> so, there you go, Eric. We're fighting again. Yeah, Eric. It'd be worse. It could be like Norwegian. They just start slapping umlauts into shit. <laughs> uh, then he uh, defends Buffy from Noah, saying, "Still that, wrong." Uh, no, okay, look. I, there's. There, <laughs> like, can we agree, Noah, that there are objectively true facts in the world, and you just saying they're not true does not make them not true? Okay. So there are objectively true things in the world. Yes. There are no objectively true things about aesthetics. I don't know what that means. It sounds like you're trying to use big words to confuse people and you I'm not gonna let No. That. No, but it's no. it is objectively it's, true it's that art that, and art is completely subjective no matter no, what anybody ever says. That's not true though, because and you, it, so no, no, no. if you look at a picture of a straight line if you look at a picture of a straight line and you say that's fucking dumb why would anyone want to buy a painting of a straight line and somebody else looks at it and says I'll give you a million dollars for that picture you have your own opinions but if somebody comes along and says that's a wavy line there's an objective truth that that's a straight line and that's I think that's what's so frustrating well, to everyone on the world trying to convince you that Buffy is different from these other shows that, that it's because special. no like yes it <laughs> I, is I just and it's, it, again it doesn't matter if you like it or dislike it which That's is fine. fine you're entitled to say it's not my cup of tea I don't like it that write that dialogue writing style is Listen, not the same you can't come along and say a show that did an episode like the body is the same as fucking you said it was the same as Smallville it's Smallville fine. never even attempted to do anything like that it's fine that you guys think it's special I do not recognize the reasons you think it's special it is objectively special our reasons are objective (laughs) arguments objective argument you've said things like it has fucking a plot that spans whole seasons that's serialized format they did not invent that it has dynamic characters they did not invent that dynamic characters are a normal fucking thing He's saying they they teach college classes on it. They teach college classes on fucking Kanye West and fuck Kanye West. <laughs> like, the college classes thing is not a strong argument. But to sit here and say that that if you were to sit down and watch Buffy it, along with the other shows that were on it with it at the time, that the the way the characters are naturally developing season to season is the same. It it just isn't. If you say that if you say that the way the story arcs that go not just one season but multiple seasons are the same it just isn't if you say the way it took chances and did very special things like this certain standalone episode the body is the one that keeps popping into my brain that Mm. are just standouts i'll be honest i don't even know that fucking episode because i don't like the show that much that's and that's fine you're entitled to not like the show (laughs) that's not my that's not what i'm arguing with you we like different things that's fine Right? I, I mean, I, I remember having a lot of discussions with people who don't like the dialogue in Buffy, and I'm going, yeah, it, it's its own unique style of dialogue, and if you don't like it, you don't like it. I can't tell you you should. But you can't pretend that there's not something special about a show that writes a musical episode where they have to compose the music and the lyrics to fit into the middle of a season that 
that show t- that ties into 12 different other episodes going on around it, even though they have to compose that music and write those lyrics months in advance in order to be able to make that possible. That's different from what else was being done in television, especially at the time. Now television, of course, has advanced. And I think Buffy's a main reason why it has advanced. You, you can't see, just ignore I, all those facts. You can, there and say, you can see, you can have your opinion on whether you like it or whether you dislike it. You can have your opinion on whether something is done well or not. But you can't say it's just the same as all those other TV shows because it's just not. But once again, the thing you pointed out to a musical episode that goes into the season, there's, it's not the first show to do that. It's the first show to do it in that way. See, once again, everybody says that way, but that doesn't, to me, that doesn't mean anything. That is, that is just a subjective. It's just, okay, you've been, uh, living, you've been living in Trump country an too long, and you just think that if you ignore facts, that they, they don't matter. So we'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, an objective you're, you're, fact is, is saying something like fucking Seth Green is in this show. Yeah, Seth Green is in that show. I accept that as a fact. It's a good show. I just don't think but it's that's not what we're discussing. Transcendent. Stop trying to say. <laughs> stop trying to change the subject, whether it's a good show or not. That's not what we're having a discussion about. I know, but I feel like all the arguments people give me for why it's special is that it's really good, and that doesn't that doesn't fucking mean anything. But that should mean something because it's it's good. It it means it's good. That's all it means. <laughs> Does it need to mean anything more? No. That's what I'm saying. It's a good... It's a good show. I'm not telling anyone it's not a good show. I'm just saying it's it's not any different than any other show. It's They're all shows. Now, you compared it to stuff like Charmed, and I would say Charmed is, is not the same. But See, you... I would say... I would say it was probably a slightly trend-setting... But that doesn't make it special. Okay. Like everything sets trends. It's it's like so the the only show I can trends. think of. How can there that, be trends if everything sets trends? Because everything there, sets there would be new no trends. trends and different trends. Like there's always a new trend. There's there's maybe maybe in, in the history of the world about three television shows I can think of off the top of my head that did something that kind of like completely changed the way people thought about what TV should be and Buffy the Vampire Slayer is not one of them I mean maybe Doctor Who like the original Doctor Who I'm not prepared to discuss the original Doctor Who Mm. no comment on it see what you did Eric god damn it you motherfucker you're bringing us down man (laughs) Eric is right about everything or almost everything for once (sighs) All right. Well, what did we watch this week? What did you watch, Noah? Uh, I watched a couple things. So, first of all, I watched uh, Loaded Weapon because it's on Netflix. Yeah, you did. I have it on DVD. Man, I, I'll tell you what. I hadn't watched it in a long time. And it, it's one of those things that you forget that back in the day, National Lampoon movies were fucking awesome. <laughs> Do you remember that? You remember mm-hmm. back when they were good? And they weren't just like weird straight to fucking DVD bullshit. <laughs> but Jesus, I started, I sat down to watch it and I had forgot like the, you know what I remembered from that movie? I remembered like two jokes 
Emilio Estevez and Samuel Jackson. That, that was the entirety of my memory of that movie whenever I sat down to watch it. And I was like, holy fuck, everybody's in this. Fucking Tim, Tim, Curry, Tim Curry is like a fucking Girl right. Scout. <laughs> Did you say Tim Curry is a Girl Scout? Yeah. Yes. How do That's I not remember that? starts where he's like wilderness girls and, <laughs> and it's him in like pigtails, but he clearly has a beard. <laughs> All right, I don't. I do not recall that at all. Maybe I should rewatch *Loaded Weapon*. The only joke I remember from the movie is Sam Jackson sitting on the toilet, and Emilio Estevez spending ten minutes breaking in. He's like, "What's the matter?" He's like, "Nothing. Taking a shit." <laughs> yeah. My favorite part is where she calls the the random lady calls him a gun nut. And he pulls out a gun and sticks it in her face, and he's like, "Why would you say that?" <laughs> I thought the Die Hard joke was pretty good. Oh yeah, where they blow up his house and it's Bruce Willis. <laughs> yeah. He's in the t- he's in the wife beater and stuff, and they're like, "Is this such and such drive?" And he's like, "No, that's like one block over." Oh, sorry. <laughs> so good. Fucking got goddamn Bill Shatner is the bad guy. <laughs> how oh, they so how they, they list every death in that movie as a suicide. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I may have to rewatch that. That's funny. Oh, I just I couldn't I couldn't fucking believe it was that funny. I was like, oh man, I thought I thought I kind of for some reason in my head I was telling myself that was post uh, National Lampoon starting to go downhill, and I was wrong. That's it's funny as shit. Well, like uh, they, they completely call everything out too. <laughs> Where right. John Lovitz is like, do you think it's weird? Like Charlie Sheen's doing hot shots, and you're doing this. I like I like the part where they kill his character and then two scenes later he shows up and they're like, didn't you die? And he goes, oh shit, I thought this was the sequel. And Kathy Ireland too. I had a big crush on yeah. Kathy Ireland back in the day. Oh yeah. As did everyone back in the day. Yes indeed. Yes indeed, Colin. Yes indeed. Uh, so, and then the other thing I watched was uh, My Name is Dolomite. Mm, haven't watched it yet. I'll tell you what, it's good for a few reasons. Number number one, I fucking love Dolomite. Mm-hmm. So, so seeing a movie about them making Dolomite makes me happy. Uh, and, damn it, it's good to see fucking Charlie Murphy, or Charlie Murphy, Eddie Murphy back doing something that fucking you want to see him doing. Because mm-hmm. the fucking Doctor Doolittle, uh, Eddie Murphy was fucking bringing me down, man. I can't, I can't do that shit. He's fucking terrible. Why? I, I get, I get that he was doing it for his kids, but those fucking that the dark ages of him doing fucking kids movies <laughs> is finally over. I think. Uh, I'll say I agree with a whole bunch of people in that fucking Wesley Snipes in this movie is probably the best part of the whole fucking movie and he's such a bit character he just like keeps popping in to say a couple lines and then he's off again nice. and and I feel like it's if this movie had done better in which from what I'm hearing is it's not I guess it's not doing very well on Netflix like not a lot of people are not getting a lot of views not a lot of reviews or anything like that mm-hmm. uh it could be like resurgent for Wesley Snipes the way that uh, 
uh, God damn it. Why is my brain not working? Tom Cruise was in Tropic Thunder. You know what I mean? Where everybody was oh, like, yeah. fuck Tom Cruise. And then Tom Cruise came and did this fucking silly over the top thing. And everybody was like, ha, 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 we forgive you, you crazy fuck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of the same thing. Uh, Wesley Snipes is playing. Uh, oh shit! I can't remember what the actress' name is. Ah fuck! He's the guy. Have you, ever, have you guys ever seen the black exploitation movie Black Caesar? No, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, he's playing that guy, and god damn it, he's fucking. <laughs> he's just so weird. It's basically him just giving because there are all these crazy people who don't know how to make a movie, making a movie, and he, him just popping up and saying weird stuff and walking off. Hmm. <laughs> I'm excited uh, to I, check it out. I can't. I just haven't had time to sit down and watch it. Yeah, I think I think my only complaint is the same complaint about most uh, biopic stuff. I, I, it feels an awful lot like they added a little bit of extra drama that isn't actually part of that story. Mm. But you know, they're trying to sell the movie, so they gotta drum it up a little bit. But it's kind of it's it's fun watching it, especially if you know anything about like how how well that movie actually ended up doing even though like making it was kind of a fucking nightmare mm-hmm. and you're just watching and watching them all be like oh god you know we're all gonna die and no no you're gonna make 12 million dollars <laughs> 12 million domestic but uh have, have you watched that one yet Doug? uh this is outside of my wheelhouse i have no i don't no, I'd never heard what Dolomite was until this movie got announced, and I just don't have any interest whatsoever. Oh, oh, that's just we we've might... talked about this. The black exploitation stuff is just—it's not for me. When they get into the horror movies, that I have a vague interest, but most of it is just yeah. again not. I'm not gonna have to add Dolomite. Others. I'm gonna have to add Dolomite to the list. See if I can change just... Dolomite. <laughs> I have no interest in this. Well, then. Well, come on. You enjoyed Black Bell Jones, didn't you? No. Ah, oh, you son of a bitch. It's just, it's like, uh, it's like somebody was making Shaft, but, but funny. Okay. That's I've never even stuff. seen a Shaft movie. Jesus fucking Christ, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it just doesn't appeal to me at all. I feel like black exploitation is a somewhat uniquely American thing. Like, I don't think it has much appeal to other parts of the world. We're, that's it. We're doing Dolomite and Welcome Home, Brother Charles. <laughs> wow. <laughs> just because just because I want to see the look on Doug's face. We're going to uh, have to record this with cameras. I was going to say, how, do you, how are you going to see the look on my face? You've never seen the look on my face. <laughs> You but, take a okay. picture. I'm going to need you to put a camera on yourself while watching Welcome Home, Brother Charles. <laughs> yeah. It's like two I, girls never, in one cup. <laughs> I've never seen it, but I know what happens in it. So that would <laughs> that would be tragic. It is a it is a, a, a movie. It is its own thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, besides that, I'm pretty much trying to get through the uh, the new season of Atypical, which is like a Netflix show about a family mm-hmm. that has an autistic son. Yeah, We're, I know that I'm, one. I'm, I'm I'm a big fan of it. I really like it, and I feel like they, uh, despite the fact that it's it's typically you know it's got its comedic beats and stuff, that for the most part they try to treat all of the autism stuff with uh, respect. Hmm. Rather than just you know 
going over the top with it. Yeah, uh, Amanda really likes that show, and I've watched a couple episodes here and there. Uh, I always thought it was pretty interesting that it's like it's funny because, you know, sometimes life is funny, but they're treating everything like realistically rather than crazy over the top stuff. Right. And uh, God damn it. What's what's the guy who plays the dad? I always want to call him Michael Michael Rappaport. Michael Rappaport. He for the fact that, you know, normally you see him just playing. he, He either plays a the bro dude from Boston or more B kind of the comedy relief character in, in seeing him in this show playing like a dad dealing with a ridiculous amount of stress mm-hmm. is just, it's, it's interesting because he does a really good job. But yeah. So if you guys yeah. haven't watched that show, you should watch that show. Yeah, that one has me curious. Never seen it. So well, what have you been watching, Doug? Uh, not a whole lot. It was Halloween. So I did watch trick or treat annual tradition. Um, it's still awesome if anyone's wondering. <laughs> I still think it's trick or treat, trick, trick or treat. Uh, yeah, like the 2006 movie, no. not the 1986 movie. Well, there's like Similar. 15. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, trick apostrophe R treat. The one with Sam in it. And I think I think we talked about this last year. Oh, I think it's pretty much the perfect Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. It just I love the way it blends all the traditional horror stories together and I like the way they all interact with each other rather than being standalone even though it still has the fun anthology feel to it so yeah I didn't uh, watch it all the way through this year but like multiple times I was flipping through the channels on TV and it's on so I'd stop and watch for like 20 minutes or something yeah it was like Halloween night and I was like I should go to bed but nope I'm watching this <laughs> I felt yeah. obligated to watch this and to watch like Halloween 1978 mm-hmm. and uh, I uh, unfortunately tried twice with Halloween 78 and at both times I fell asleep because I just tried to force myself to stay up way too late and watch it <laughs> so I'm like damn it so I can't imagine I'm going to wait a whole year I'll probably have to watch that in the off peak period mm-hmm. you had a friend come over and he was talking about because uh, he is my friend Tim I used to do horror junk with way back in the day and he was really into horror movies and then kind of fell off like around like 2005 or whatever then he went and got married and had a kid so he really wasn't watching anything so he's talking about how he remembered like how everybody was excited about this movie because you know it had been made and then was shelled for a while and stuff and he's like and then I was and then it came out, and I was like, oh, well, it's not very good. And I'm just like, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, this is like the best movie. You need to shut the fuck up. Yeah, I could I could understand somebody not thinking that it's, like, their favorite movie. Sure. Yeah. And I could understand a non-horror fan not liking it. Like, I don't... I mm-hmm. think in some ways, like, if you watched it Halloween night with a group of people, a lot of people would be like, oh, that was a fun movie. But if you tried to show it to them at any other time of year, I don't think non-horror fans would really appreciate it. Yeah. <sighs> Michael Doty keeps dropping that he wants to do Trick or Treat 2, but yeah. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. The beauty of it is because it is anthology style, it's not like a lot of recurring characters need to come forward, so you could you mm-hmm. could do it if you chose to at any time. Yeah, pretty much Sam's so all you need, so yeah. you, just, you just throw a kid in a footy pajamas and you're good. Yeah. 
I'd be in favor. I, I still remember like the first time I saw Trick or Treat was like it was like a film festival, and it was just one of those like oh, yeah, I'll just go to it, whatever. Like I'd heard good things. Mm-hmm. And I remember Kate when it, like after that I was like so frustrated because it wouldn't come out. <laughs> like <laughs> I want to watch it again, and they just won't release it. It sat for I forget how long. Good thing is if you buy the uh, Scream Factory Collector's Edition, yeah, it just came out like a couple years ago. Uh, on Fearnet, they filmed a bunch of Sam short films right. for for each holiday for like a year, and all of those are on it, which I was excited about. That's nice. It's just nice to have everything all in one place rather than like you have to go search through YouTube and see if. Anybody's put them up or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's so nice to have everything. You don't have to take your phone out of your pocket just to watch something. <laughs> <laughs> we might uh, be becoming a spoiled generation. No, nah, just I'm a collector. I like I like having I, I stuff and, that. and knowing that I could just be like, oh, you've never seen the Sam shorts? Here, let me pull this Blu-ray out and I'll show you. It's like, yeah, there was more Sam. You just didn't know. Oh, I get it. I, I don't upgrade very often once I buy something. I've, I own it, mm-hmm. but I uh, I still do like to buy certain things. Yeah, well, I like special features too, and I know a lot of a lot of people don't. So I get excited about like new versions that have new interviews, and people are like, "Yeah, but I bought it like twice already." I'm like, "But Kurt Russell might say something different about the thing this time. You should buy it." Yeah, I find I just don't have time. My day for special features. I'm not gonna like rewatch the movie with another commentary track. It's yeah. I usually don't get into commentary tracks just because that's 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 a lot of commitment. But so I even remember I like upgraded my copy of The Mist so I could have the version that came with like the black and white mm-hmm. copy of it. And then like the first day I got it home and I'm watching the black and white version and I'm thinking, I think my TV just has a function where I could just switch this to black and white. <laughs> like it's, there's nothing special about this that I couldn't have done myself. Uh, eh. off, off topic question. Sure. Have you guys, have you guys seen all the casting announcements that happened today about uh, the Matt Reeves Batman movie? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are they fucking schizophrenic as hell? What the fuck is going on with that movie? Yeah, I've pretty much just stopped even paying attention to it. Like, I know what's going on, but I have no... I'm not, like, excited for the movie, so I'm just kind of like, eh. They're going to cast whoever they're going to cast, I guess. Well, like, you know, they announced... A while back, they announced Dana was the Riddler. Mm. And it was like, okay, well, that's that's fine. Like you know, he's he's a good actor. That'll that'll work. And then the first thing I saw today was they're like supposedly Matthew McConaughey getting tapped in as Two Face, and I was like, okay, well that's that's good. He's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will completely outshine fucking Batman, and that will cause a problem. But then they were like Andy Serkis is <laughs> fucking Alfred, and I was like, wait. <laughs> Who the fuck made that decision? And then they were like, Colin Farrell is the penguin. And it's like, fuck you. <laughs> Colin <laughs> Farrell is the only one of those that I, I'm not too sure about. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Andy Serkis, put him as the fucking penguin. He doesn't need to be fucking Alfred. <laughs> like, well, I assume they want stop motion Alfred. So they just... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. 
<laughs> fucking serving dinner in the ping pong suit so that they can change and make oh. him look like whichever version of Alfred they want. See, I think they're going to bring Michael Goff back as Alfred. <laughs> Andy Serkis is just going to motion capture him. That makes yeah, sense. That fucking Colin Farrell decision. What? Mm. what? He, he is a good actor. Oh. I, I just don't know if he... Like, he certainly doesn't quite look the part, the traditional mm. part. But, like When they were talking to Jonah Hill, I thought that was interesting. My uh, my dream casting when when uh, Nolan was doing the movies was uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the Penguin. That would have been yeah in the Nolan verse that would have been perfect. Yeah, because I mean they could have just like because some people think of the Penguin and they're like ah oh, but that's kind of goofy and campy and I'm like you don't understand like he's like a an arms dealer like Nolan yeah. could have done something amazing with that in his realistic take of it or whatever yeah. I still think uh, Tim, I think my call would be either Timothy Spall or mm. uh, uh, Toby Jones oh yeah you had, you had great ideas for casting those, for are, it, those for are good sure. ideas Who's, there's like one stand up comedian that wants to do it I forget what his name is but when he started putting pictures of himself up that fans had edited him he, I'm like he looks great I don't know if he can act or not mm. Toby Jones I think would probably be of all those would be the one I would like because I know he can act as well right yeah well, it's, well so can Timothy Spall Timothy yeah, I, I just don't know him as well I guess uh, you've seen the Harry Potter movies no fuck uh, you've seen Sweeney Todd no god damn it <laughs> Told you I didn't know him. I wasn't making that shit up. I was gonna say my 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 only thing that I would be against casting uh, Toby Jones in that part is is I think Toby Jones as the ventriloquist would be the best fucking thing ever. Sure. Just because he kind of mm -hmm. he looks like that weird little dude. You don't want to. You don't want uh, what's his face? God damn it! Why can't I think of his name? Uh, Larry, da Larry David. <laughs> Larry David could play the ventriloquist. I'm joking. You know what? Obviously. Actually, actually, you know what? Larry David could play the ventriloquist. <laughs> I've never seen him do serious acting, but if he can do it, he, he looks like the guy. Hmm. I also, I, I'm not sure if I want Larry David in my Batman movie. Um, a ra random one. The guy from uh, you guys watch Modern Family at all? No, I have seen it. Okay, yeah. the uh, the gay couple, mm -hmm. the bigger one. I can't yeah. remember what that guy's name is. Him as Calendar Man in a Batman movie. No, well, yeah, he'd be good. Where's Hollywood at? Hollywood needs to hire me. Maybe Larry. Maybe Larry David as Mister Freeze. Maybe we go that way. <laughs> it's too bad Patrick Stewart never got to be Mister Freeze. Maybe he's too old now. Just put him in the suit and have him do the Arnold Schwarzenegger one-liners. It's like, everybody, chill! And then Larry David's like, nope, nope, I can't, I can't do it. I can't, I'm, I'm sorry, everybody, I can't do it. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I just kind of want Larry David in the, the Mr. Freeze suit just being Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it so cold in here? Yeah, it's so cold <laughs> in the suit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I actually. Like bought... they, they ask him if he's if he's doing all this to save his wife, and he's like, "No, I would. I don't think I'd put that much effort into helping someone else. That doesn't seem like me." <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought the uh, entire Batman the Animated Series on digital, yeah. and I'm excited to kind of sit down and go through 
Because some of the writing on, on those episodes are fantastic. Yeah, the animated series or the new animated series? The original animated series. Like the the version that was drawn on black paper to make it look yeah. more dark and foreboding, which I was yeah. excited about. Yeah, Good stuff. I, I tried to rewatch that all the way through a while back, and I didn't. I didn't make it just because it's like five seasons of television is a lot to commit to. Yeah. But rewatching it was really fun. Like just constantly having it on. Well, especially when every season's like forty episodes long too, because yeah. it's a cartoon. Yeah, I didn't hate. It's, the, it's I didn't hate lot. the follow-up series either. The, mm. the new animated series. There is a, a rumor going around that uh, they're finally going to ask Michael Keaton to come back for a Batman Beyond movie. Yeah, I think that's a, think that's a great idea. Like, it is a great idea. And I can see him doing it at this point in his career. I'm not sure why, he, but he seems like he'd be willing to step back into that role. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. And if they wanted to port somebody over. I think Tom Holland would make a good uh, Batman for that. Oh, I can see that. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who would be better, and I don't have anybody off the top of my head. But. Hmm. Yeah, pretty much uh, Michael Keaton in anything I would watch. Yeah. But, you know. but that idea has existed for a while, and it seems like DC's just crazy enough to do it now. So. Yeah. Finally, they're just like, well. This shared universe obviously isn't working. Let's just do a bunch of crazy shit, and it may actually pay out in our favor for once. <laughs> the worst thing they did is they made that fucking fantastic Joker movie. Now I don't know what the fuck they can do with that character. I think they painted themselves into a bit of a box. Because, <laughs> you know, Joaquin Phoenix doesn't particularly like doing sequels. And I've read some rumors that he's still in talks to do one. Mm-hmm. But... I just don't see how you follow that movie up in any type of contiguous way that like makes sense. No, but well, then they, they might have forced themselves to just start making a bunch of standalone movies, which might be the right decision. Yeah, like that. That to me, if I were them, that's what I'd be doing. Like, like I've, I've said before, you could have multiple versions of the same character existing a few years apart by just constantly making standalone movies rather than trying to have the sequels and the. I don't think people need sequels anymore. You know, people would be happy to go see a standalone Batman movie. You shut your damn mouth! <laughs> I need them. I need them sequels. How else do I fall down a giant hole of bullshit? You just pick like one character actor in the background, and you watch everything that guy's ever done. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that was good advice, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. All right. What else you got there? Uh, the only other thing I watched is the new Netflix series Daybreakers or Daybreaker. I don't mm. even know what it's called. Does that tell you? Uh, <laughs> have, you have you guys seen like anything of it or? I've seen this on Netflix, but I haven't yeah. paid attention to what it is or anything. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's post-apocalypse. Mostly, the adults either died or got turned into weird zombie characters, and the kids are still alive. It's apparently based on graphic novels. I assume graphic novels that came out in the 90s based on the way everyone talks and the pop culture references that are going on. <laughs> but it's... I don't know. I don't even know if I liked it or not. It's weird. And it's got, like, a bunch of stuff in it where you're just, like... Like, there's a 10-year-old girl in it who, like, cusses and swears and sw- a lot. And you're like... I don't know. 
it's not that it's done poorly, but in like a post hit girl world, I'm like, am I supposed to be impressed by this? I don't understand. <laughs> Has like, and it's 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 super weird because it's like a lot of the jokes are like about PC culture and stuff, and you're like, okay, so they're making fun of modern day, but then all the pop culture references are to stuff from when I was young. So I am I I can't figure out who they made this for, <laughs> and it's like. Like it's weird. Like, like in like the first episode, there's a reference to Jim Cotta, and I'm like, I don't think anybody else knows what that is. Like, that's an obscure reference for me to be making on this podcast, let alone in a mainstream show. So, I, I don't understand why this got made, but it was all right. I, I feel like Netflix is trying to force that to be their niche, though. They're trying to go for, like, Netflix is the streaming service for nerdy people who are into just weird shit. Maybe. This this show in particular, like, there are, like, like I said, there's a lot of weird references. They use, like, Smashing Pumpkin songs a lot and stuff, and you're just like, or they just use the melody from them in the background, and you're like, I see what you're doing there. Like, you're appealing to my nostalgia and stuff. And then there's, like, weird, like, really specific Kevin Smith references, I think. I think they're intentional. Maybe it's a coincidence that they're doing certain things, but I'm like, okay, is that just for me? And is there other stuff that I'm not picking up on that's just for other types of nerds? And I'm not sure. So, I mean, overall, I would just say the show was just okay. There's nothing really special about it, but it was kind of fun to watch. And Matthew Broderick plays the principal, and minor spoiler alert, he becomes like the leader of like a cannibalistic cult of people which is kind of fun because it's Matthew Browder <laughs> <laughs> and he's like to see him like he's still acting exactly like himself but in the post-apocalyptic world I found that rather entertaining hmm, is that supposed to be set in the 90s or anything not that I could tell but it's hard to tell because it's post-apocalypse so anything like no, because there are like in some of the they do flashbacks to like what it was like before and there's certainly like ordering meals off their phone and stuff so it must be okay. modern times but yeah like, it's weird because even like there's a scene where they're the one character's like recreating a, this battle to explain it to somebody else and he's using action figures and they're all like 80s action figures and I'm like okay but this doesn't feel like it was something made for people in their 40s but kids even know what those action figures are like do, do 19 year olds know who Skeletor is? I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm just so out of touch that I don't understand. But Is it from the uh, Skeletor's love memes on Facebook? Well, I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm so out of touch that I don't know what those are. So. Oh. It's uh, shots of Skeletor from the He Man cartoon with like inspirational like sayings underneath of them, and they're usually pretty hilarious. Not a sounds pretty funny it sounds like something i'd appreciate <laughs> i'll tell you what though somebody posts one of those skeletor memes with a goddamn epstein reference i will drive to their house and I'll stab them in the neck you're so upset about their epstein stuff <laughs> good lord it's there's nothing good about it it's not funny it trivializes horrible horrible crimes and it spreads misinformation about something that has no basis in reality all right, we're going to yeah. move on. We're going to move on. What else have you been watching, Doug? Uh, that is all I've watched, unfortunately. All right, well, I got a ton of shit because 
Doug got mad about Babadook last week, and I just skipped all my shit so that we could end the show after Doug requested it. <clears throat> so you better say some really entertaining shit like now, or else that wouldn't make me right. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm if I'm right about stuff two weeks in a row, Eric's gonna lose his fucking mind. So, uh, well, I watched that movie Polaroid, the horror movie based around the Polaroid camera. Uh, I don't know, not good, not bad, just mediocre. How does do they throw the camera at people and like knock them out with it or something? No. So this specific camera, if you take a picture of somebody, there's like a weird like human shaped shadow like lurking in the background somewhere and then that person will end up dying and after they do the shadow will move to another picture and then right. it starts killing them off like in that order so the ring kind of deal yeah a little bit uh we find out that uh i guess spoiler but i'm, I'm not recommending to really watch this movie uh there there was a guy who used the camera to, um, I don't know, kill some kids or whatever. And so Doug was right. He beat them to death with the camera. No, he didn't beat them to death with the camera, but he would do horrible things to them and then take pictures of them and keep them. Uh, and apparently he was obsessed with cameras. So he was like, had these kids like captured in his, I think at the school. Cause I think he was the janitor at the school or something. I don't remember. Um, and for some reason he was in the dark room, the school dark room. Cause apparently they had a school dark room and, uh, I don't know. I was going to kill these kids. The police like burst in and then just open fire on him. And he's holding this Polaroid camera and then falls backwards into like a giant trough of developing fluid. So basically he has a super villain origin story where he then has possessed the, the camera and shows up in the pictures and then so here's the, here's the thing if sure. it was a supernatural slasher that that was the opening scene of of mm. the movie you know what i mean it, and then it was just like a wacky fucking weird killer who can leap from camera to camera or something fucking like that i, yeah. I think that would sound really really good but trying to do the big reveal of a cheesy Killer origin sounds fucking stupid. Yeah. So yeah, you find that out like two thirds of the way through the movie, and it was just like, what? So, yeah, not super great. It's got some creepy moments, but I mean, I think it's outweighed by the cheesiness by the end of the movie. Uh, after that, I watched the Omega Man for the first time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, that was enjoyable. It was pretty decent for what it was. Charlton Heston driving around town, shooting up. I don't know, they're not even really vampires or zombies or anything like yeah, the story. It, yeah, they're more Just like what? Like weird, weird crazy people, right? Culty albino people. Well, that's, that's kind of in the book. Yeah, I guess. But it's just, I don't know. It's a little weird. But uh, it's got some cool stuff in it. And... I enjoyed it. It wasn't, uh, I still think, uh, last man on earth is the best adaptation so far, but right. I was going to say it's, it's, it's easily the second best version. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some, uh, fun stuff. I like his little, uh, 
fortress that he's basically built up and i like that uh every time he crashes a car or something he'll just walk into a dealership and take another one uh so that was all right uh then i decided to revisit the new halloween 2018 okay but i figured the best way to do this was to watch the original 78 halloween and then immediately immediately watch this one so I'm like, this is what they're saying the new Halloween universe is. It's the first movie, and then this new one, and nothing in between. So I figured, let's give it a shot. Um, and I've seen the first one like a billion times. <clears throat> so I decided to go back and rewatch the uh, Joe Bob version, the horror Hoot Nanny special that he just did, where he did Halloween, and then Halloween 4, and then Halloween 5. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> It's the ones they have rights to shutter. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it was fun watching it, you know, get breaks with Joe Bob and whatever that porn star girl's name is. This is male girl now. And just them like goofing around on Halloween type shit. So, uh, I mean, it's the first Halloween. So, I mean, it's amazing. I don't know if I need to go into any more detail than that, but, uh, so then I gave the new one a shot cause I didn't really enjoy it when I first saw it in the theater. And I, and I always thought to myself, part of that I think was I had people directly behind me talking and they would not shut the fuck up even after I shushed them multiple times. And it was just an annoying experience. So that's what I uh, chalked it up to. That's probably why I didn't enjoy it. So I rewatched it. I think it's probably moved from not liking it to thinking it's just okay. Still not in love with like a lot of the decisions they made in it, but you know, you get to see Michael Myers stalk around and kill some more people, which is always a fun time. So yeah, I, I just uh, my opinion on that was just it's a fun sequel. Yeah. There are several fun Halloween sequels. It's one of them. Yeah. It it bugged me when people said it returned to like the it was a return to the original because no it's not no. but that's that's fine neither are any of the other sequels so. <laughs> it's yeah it's I think where you rank it in the sequels is just a matter of your own opinion right yeah pretty much uh, I did like that there's this meme going around that's basically a choose your own adventure Halloween Halloween thing where you, it has the first one and it's like did you enjoy this movie? Do you want more of this? And then it has yes, no, and then it branches off yeah. into like different different paths you can take with the Halloween franchise. It's pretty funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's okay. I mean, it's not... I don't... I didn't... I don't feel like it was worth the amount of hype that it got when it was like, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis is back, and like they're doing this, and they're doing that. And I'm like, yeah, remember when they did that 20 years ago? And then we watched it, and it, it wasn't that great. And it was so not uh-uh, great. Ah, bitch, you shot Ill. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was so not good that the, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis asked to be killed off in the next one so she would never have to do another one ever again. But, eh. Now we just ignore all that. So what are you going to do? Uh, I, think I saw somebody post something... Uh, the other day that said something about the mistake wasn't Michael Myers not being in three. It was them putting him into all the rest of them. (laughs) Good Lord. Uh, 
Um, Let's see. After that, I was just searching around on Shudder to see if I could find a decent movie to watch. Uh, I found a movie called Haunt, which I gave a watch. So Haunt is essentially... uh, These kids are out around Halloween time. They're looking for something fun to do. They, of course, find out about this... Like one of those warehouse type haunted houses where you go in and you have to go room to room and it's like all kinds of crazy shits going on in each one. Um, uh, so they sort of find out about one of those. They go, they decide, yeah, we're definitely going to get do this. It sounds awesome. And then once they get inside, of course, it turns out that the people running it are crazy and they're actually murdering people <laughs> when they get inside. So they have to figure their way through this haunted house to figure out how they can escape and or stop the people inside from killing everybody. Uh, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. It's pretty good. Kind of got what I figured I was going to get, so I was happy with it. Um, yeah, it's kind of just a low budget thing, which is fine, and it's very slashery. So, you know, it's a little bit easier to spend uh, spend a low budget on a slasher movie and doing it in a fun like haunted house themed haunt, for lack of a better term is uh yeah it was enjoyable so it's a recommend for me if you get a chance to watch it i've heard good things with that one yeah yeah i was kind of in the mood for something in that vein and i started to watch halloween or how was it hell house llc and about like three or four minutes into it i'm like i'm just not in the mood for a found footage movie so I shut that off and then found this, which is pretty much a very similar concept, but is a you know narrative film. So I was, gave it a shot and yeah, I enjoyed it. That was good. Uh, and the last thing I watched, which I think you guys talked a little bit about last week, was uh, me and Amanda binge through uh, Living with Yourself. Oh yeah. Two uh, two Paul Rudds. Twice the uh, run. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I I really enjoyed it. It's I mean it's got its funny moments, but then when it gets dark, it goes really dark, which I really enjoy. So, yeah. if I remember, I think both of you guys liked it. Yeah, I think I, I liked, liked it, it that it worked on like a a surface level and on a deeper level. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I did like the stuff that sort of like questions like well what does it mean to to be a person like just because this guy's a clone does that mean he's not really a person and they sort of talk about stuff like that which i thoroughly enjoyed it's stuff i liked in movies like uh ex machina and stuff like that they sort of had those questions too and i thought it was fun seeing this play out like over the course of eight half hour episodes and seeing how weirdly how we're talking about cloning people, but how that would work out in a realistic situation where it's just, Oh, there's two of us now. So what does that mean? Like who, who essentially gets the, the wife and the social life and the job. And just like, what does that all mean when we have to contend with it? I thought it was pulled off pretty well. 
And that's it. That's all? You said you had a whole bunch of stuff. That wasn't that much. Yeah, it really wasn't. I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, because we talked about, what, Zombieland last week? Yeah. Yeah, a majority of this is from is from last week. I didn't really watch a whole lot this week, so it would have been more. But So you're saying I did us all a favor last week by giving us content for this week? <laughs> sure, I guess. All right. <laughs> you're welcome. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, next week. Uh, what the fuck are we doing? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we're doing two spy movies. We're going to do a Michael Keane uh, spy movie called The Black Windmill. And this is basically predicated because I saw a very cheap Blu-ray on Amazon one day, and I'm like, that sounds kind of cool. So I just ordered it, and this gives me an excuse to watch it. There you go. And the other one, uh, Three Days of the Condor, which is uh, sort of a similar situation. I bought like a two. I bought a two pack that had this and uh, all the president's men like on Blu-ray. So I was kind of hoping the two movies came in a two pack. <laughs> just like I'll just buy this and then I'll uh, make everybody else watch it. Exactly. Just an excuse for me to watch both of them. So should be fun. We haven't done a whole lot of spy movies on here. We haven't done any, have we? I feel like we must have, but I don't know that for sure. Hmm. Well, I mean, we've done Michael Caine versus bees, so we'll just do Michael Caine versus Spies. Um, shadow, shadowy organizations. Yeah. Seems good enough. I have no idea what we're getting into for next week. I have no idea what either of these movies are, so. Mm. At least three days. I, I have never heard the names of these movies before. Really? No. Uh, it seems like uh, Three Days of the Condor, I feel like a lot of um a lot of other movies have kind of borrowed from it the plot like i haven't seen it but the plot is essentially that uh robert redford's a cia agent and he leaves to go i don't know do spy stuff and when he comes back to the base or whatever like all of his teammates are dead and he's basically framed for murdering them all so that he ends up going on the run and he has to figure out, like, try to solve who did this, who set him up, and who's behind it. So, it seems like a very similar plot to a lot of other stuff. But I'm yeah. guessing a lot of that came from this movie. So, curious to check it out. So, we'll see. It'll either be good or we'll all be really pissed next week. We'll yeah. Too. Grab bag. I mean, we're not going to see Nicolas Cage eating cockroaches or anything. So I can't promise anything. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.